I grew up here in a small town. I graduated, went to college, and I was dating a good guy at the time, you know, had good friends, but I still wasn't living my life with much focus going out, doing whatever I wanted to do, really. You know, I had a relationship with the Lord since I was 13, but I really was just thinking about myself, what I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it. And as a result, I wound up getting pregnant and um, just panicked. I actually prayed about it and asked God what to do, but I really didn't listen. I just, I knew in my mind I had to fix this quick and um, waited about a week and a half and went and had an abortion. It was a traumatic experience. I was living at my parents' house, and so I went back home, you know, right after I had the procedure and just had to act like nothing happened and did for from that day forward. I kept it a secret um, for about six years. I, did, I thought that it was something that I would just be able to forget about and go on. Um, but it's not, I mean, it was a life. And, um, and it was part of me. I just stuffed all my feelings. You know, I cried alone and I, I um, thought about it a lot and I prayed about it continually. I asked God to forgive me for it over and over and over for years. Even after I decided to tell someone, um, which is my husband now, I told him while we were still just dating. And he forgave me. It took him about a week. We didn't speak, and he had a really hard time with it. But it's something, you know, he said that he knew if I had the choice to do it over again, I wouldn't make the same decision. And it nearly destroyed me as a person. And I nearly destroyed my husband as a person because of it. Just the the emotions and I mean I I took a life and the sadness and shame and guilt and the anger and bitterness that I had toward myself. Um I just I, I turned into a really bitter and happy person. Um, there was no joy in my life, no peace whatsoever. I felt incapable of being loved um, the way that you know, my husband said he loved me. I, I didn't believe it at all and I couldn't accept it. I could not live a peaceful, loving relationship because I hated myself for what I did. We started counseling uh, through our church and went to counseling together and separately for about five or six years. And it was a long healing process. Very painful, very difficult. And just in the hopes that um, we would see healing and, and forgiveness. And we did. The Lord started revealing His love for me. and who he created me to be. It was just a slow process. It was a matter of believing that he is who he says he is and that he 
can forgive and that he does forget. And um, that I can be new again. One of the hardest things for us to do in life is forgive ourselves. We are in this cage series, and for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about forgiveness and how so much of our lives is spent inside of a cage, inside of the cage of unforgiveness. Two weeks ago on Easter, we began by talking about how Jesus came to release us from the cage of sin, from the cages that exist in our lives. Last week, we talked about how we have this tendency as human beings to drag other people into the cage of unforgiveness toward others. Well, this morning, I believe this will be probably the most uh, significant and perhaps the most powerful message of, of this entire series. And the reason why is because today we're talking about forgiving ourselves. See, I believe that forgiveness is, a, is an amazingly underrated spiritual discipline for us as Christians. And the reason why is because forgiveness affects every other area of our lives. And I believe that today could be the area that affects us the most of all. Because, see, becoming all that God intends for us to become as his children has everything to do with learning how to forgive ourselves. But, see, here's the thing about forgiving ourselves, of letting ourselves out of the cage of unforgiveness. Forgiving ourselves is admitting failure in our life. And, unfortunately, we as human beings are not very good at that. We do not like to admit failure in our life, but, but coming to grips, owning the reality that we must forgive ourselves, let ourselves out of the cage, requires that we own and deal with this area of failure in our life. See, it's interesting to me because as we study the Bible, what we begin to realize is, apart from Jesus, every other spiritual giant of the Bible had to deal with failure, had to had to deal with the reality that at times in their life, they messed up. At times in their life, they, they missed the mark. They made mistakes. They failed. I think of a guy like Abraham, who is the father of the faith. And here's this guy, Abraham, who goes into a city with his wife. And when he gets into the city, he gets a little nervous. And so he turns to his wife and he says, hey, honey, here's what we're going to do. Um, instead of telling them that you're my wife, we're going to tell them you're my sister, okay? And, of course, every wife in the building knows, okay, that's not okay. That's a mistake, right? He missed it. I think of Jacob, who we talked about in our Who I Am, Who I Want to Be series, who, who had this thing inside of him that he wanted to please God. He wanted to be God's man. He had this failure thing. He was a, he was a usurper. He was an undercutter. He was a deceiver and a liar. I think about Moses, the great deliverer of the children of Israel. And here's this Moses who God used mightily, but you know what? He failed. He committed murder. The children of Israel themselves, as you study the Old Testament, you begin to realize that this is the, like the children of Israel are like a, a, a case study in people who failed, of people who missed the mark. God would bless them, and then after God blessed them, they started thinking it was all because of themselves, and so they walk away from God, they turn their back on God, they make all these mistakes, they screw it all up, they fail, God lifts his hand of blessing off of them, and they're like, oh no, what happened to us? Oh yeah, we forgot about God. Failure. They failed. Zoom into the New Testament, you end up with looking at a guy's life like Paul. 
a man who was responsible for writing two-thirds of the New Testament, and yet the Apostle Paul, before he came to Christ, before his conversion, was a murderer of Christians. He failed. Peter, we did a whole series called Pete's Blog last month, talking about our boy Peter and Peter's life, again, as a case study of a guy who was like the consummate put-your-foot-in-your-mouth disciple. That was Peter. David, King David of ancient Israel, one of, one of the history of the world's greatest leaders, committed adultery and then murdered the husband to try and cover it up. Failure. And yet, as we study this book, as we look into the lives of these spiritual giants, so to speak, we begin to realize that their lives, that the story of their lives is laced with, with failure, with mistakes, with regrets. And yet, how was it that they were able to move from their failures into a place where they could be used mightily of God until the Bible records thousands of years later the amazing faith that they had. How, how, how were they able to let themselves out of the cage of unforgiveness? To look failure straight in the eye and decide, i got to get past this. Well, that's what I want us to talk about this morning. So if you have your bulletin, would you uh, open that up? I'd love for you to take a few notes with me this morning. Because I want to introduce us and talk us through four truths of what it means to forgive ourselves. Four truths of forgiving ourselves. And here's the first truth. The first truth, if we're going to deal with this issue of forgiving ourselves, is we must acknowledge, we must be aware of the fact and own the reality that we will fail. That we are going to fail or, or make mistakes. We're human, bottom line. And, and so here's the thing about being human. You don't have to seek failure out. Failure finds us, and some, some wives right now are elbowing your husbands. Okay, stop doing that, okay? We, we get it. We know, we know, we know. We got it. So we're human, right? We fail. We fail. We're human. It was a few years ago, Mike and I were uh, going to go up to a conference in Atlanta, and um, Mike is purple dye guy, by the way. Um, and so he was up visiting some family in St. Pete, and so I said, well, I'll drive up and I'll pick you up and then we'll, you know, we'll drive up to Atlanta from there. And, and back a few years ago, I had this amazing gold um, Corolla. I mean, this thing was fast, like golf cart fast. <laughs> Corolla. It was, it was fast. I'm just telling you. So I jump in the car, you know, early in the morning and take off and I get up to St. Pete. And the whole time I'm driving up to St. Pete, I'm like, I'm the fastest car on the road. Look at all these other slow pokes. What up? And my Corolla's going, you know, 91. How are you? Peace be with you, brethren. I'm in a Corolla. Move aside, right? So I get up to St. Pete. Mike gets in the car. We do the, you know, proverbial high-fiving and whatnot. And, uh, and I looked at him and I'm like, bro. I just want you to know, I'm the fastest car on the road. He's like, really? And he looked at my Corolla, as if my manhood or something, and I'm, oh, don't, no, you don't, no, no, you don't. So I'm like, bro, I'm the fastest car on the road. So we get on the interstate, you know, and we, you know, that thing is just, we're wide open, like all four cylinders, baby. Yeah. 
Woo! And you should have seen us go down hills. I'm like, hang on. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going. We're driving. Wow. Look at that. Somebody put a fence behind me. It's like I'm playing outfield. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Stop. Okay. So we're driving. We're driving to Atlanta. My legs are all weak now. Uh, we're, we're, it must have been no man part. It's like all the weight on this one, none of the weight on this one, but all my muscles in this one are going tight. And we're like, wham, you know, and just wide open. And so, like, I don't even know, one of those crazy, like, northern Florida counties, I, they, they have police there. So I'm driving, you know, doing the deal, fastest car I can get. And then I see the lights. <laughs> so we pull over, you know. I'm looking at Mike, and he's looking at me, and the cop starts walking up toward the gold Corolla. And Mike goes, fastest car on the road, bro. <laughs> I'm like, don't start with me. That's ridiculous. I am your pastor. So apparently they have these airplanes or helicopters or something that have radar guns that prove that gold Corollas in Polk County or whatever it was are the fastest cars on the road. So the cop, you know, hands me the ticket and the whole deal. And it's in that moment that I realized that I'm human and I fail. And it's true, though, isn't it? I mean, we, we fail. And, and obviously our failures are way bigger than just speeding ticket and yet it's so hard for us sometimes to own it isn't it to to bring ourselves to a place where we recognize i am human i mean somehow in our minds we we try and convince ourselves that we're capable of living up to this impossible standard of perfection in our life right and there we are and there's this impossible standard of perfection that nobody else anywhere expects us to live up to except for ourselves I mean, God doesn't look at us and go, wow, I can't believe you're not perfect. Oh, myself. He doesn't do that. God knows we're human. He knows we're going to make mistakes. Other people don't expect us to be perfect. Other people don't look at us and, and hold us to this high standard of perfection. We're the only people who think that we are supposed to be perfect. And it's interesting, though, isn't it, that for us to place ourselves on that level where we expect perfection out of ourselves 100% of the time would be for us to expect us to be perfect like Jesus. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that anything that tries to put itself up to that standard of Jesus is an idol. So watch this. When we don't admit and own the reality that we fail, that we make mistakes, that we screw it up sometimes, that's bad news. And I'm not trying to be irreverent about our failures. I'm not trying to be trite or, or make light of them because some of the failures that you and I are facing today are enormous failures that have got us in a cage of unforgiveness. Here's the second truth. Number one, yeah, we fail. But number two, we've got to understand that our failures affect others. And this is where the whole deal really starts to get painful. See, because we don't live in a vacuum... Other people will be affected by our failures. It's so much easier for us, isn't it, to live on the other side of that coin. That when we make a good decision or when we're successful, 
when we work on a project that adds to the bottom line of our company, everybody's happy with us, and, and we, we're able to own that and be cool with that, or we make a decision that blesses our family, and we can take a vacation or do whatever, because, yeah, we did a great job. And so, see, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that we're, we're so capable of owning the good, and yet when it comes to the reality that our decisions, our actions have consequences that affect others, and, and when we fail, that impacts other people. That's where the pain begins to set in in our hearts, isn't it? And some of us know what it is to live inside of a cage of unforgiveness going, I can't forgive myself. I can't do that. I can't bring myself to forgive myself. Because of the decisions I've made, I was the boss. I was the one. I chose to move our family across the country. I'm the one who lost the money. I'm the one who lost my job. I'm the one who, who left. I'm the one who cheated. I'm the one who clicked. I'm the one. And consequently, we've put ourselves in this cage, this cage of going, I'm a failure, I've screwed up, and my failures affect others. We're living inside of this cage, not able to forgive ourselves. Which takes us to the third truth that is so, so important for us that I think these Bible characters understood. And that's this, not forgiving ourselves is the same as rejecting the forgiveness of Jesus. To not forgive ourselves is to reject the forgiveness of Jesus. I mean, some of us, we're living with the pain and the guilt and the anguish of, of, of this failure that has affected not just our lives, but the lives of those around us. And, and here we sit inside of this cage going, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with Jesus forgiving me. I get it, and that's great. And fine, everybody, you know, okay, other people said they forgive me, and so fine. But somehow, we're holding ourselves to a different standard. We're putting ourselves back into the cage of unforgiveness. Going, to, it's not okay that apparently I'm supposed to live with this pain. Apparently, I, I, I can't let myself off the hook. It's, it, I, I can't live with the reality that it would actually be okay for me to come out of the cage. Jesus let me out, others let me out, but no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit in here. I'm, no, no, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I, what I did was too wrong. What I did was too bad. It was too big. I took a life. I killed a marriage. I did whatever. I, I lost the money, and we, we're, we're making a home in this cage. This cage of not being able to forgive ourselves, and we're going, we got, well, if some of us, we got, we're like, move the recliners in, bring it in, bring it in, and we got the recliners, you know, we're hanging out, we're like, we're hanging pictures on the side of our cage, we're like, this is home, I'm home. They deliver my food, they slide it under the slot, good side, that, good thing that side's a little higher than that side, get the food under, right, I mean, we're, we're making our home in this cage of unforgiveness, that we don't even know, we don't even know how, what life outside of this cage of Forgiving ourselves looks like. But see, when we, when we refuse to forgive ourselves, and I realize this is heavy stuff, you guys, we reject the forgiveness of Jesus. It's as if we look at Jesus and we go, I appreciate the whole death on the cross thing and that you've forgiven me, but you know what? I'll take matters into my own hands. I'll put myself back in the cage. It's like when the officer walked up to me, imagine this. He walks up, he hands me the speeding ticket. He's like, here you go, you got 30 days, mail this in, do whatever. If I like turned off the ignition and stepped out of the car and here, well here, here's my car keys. Well, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Well, I mean, yeah, you got me. I was speeding. I, 
So I, I, I'm just, I'll never drive again. The cop would be like, what? buddy, I don't, I don't want you to never drive again. I just want you to pay the ticket. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I, yeah, I appreciate the ticket, and I'll do that too, but I, I'll never drive again. No, that's ludicrous, right? It's crazy for us that when we put it ourselves in that scenario, we go, no, we wouldn't do that. And again, I understand that some of the issues that we're dealing with, these failures, these mistakes we've made, are way bigger than just a speeding ticket. I get that. And yet, some of us are living with that. We're placing ourselves back in the cage, and Jesus is looking at us going, you're forgiven. And others are looking at us going, you're forgiven. And we're the only ones who are saying to ourselves, I don't accept it. You see, when we're that person, we end up finding ourselves in a place where the only one who won't forgive us is us. And to not forgive ourselves is to reject the forgiveness of Jesus. Which brings us to the fourth truth, and that is this. Failure is never final. See, I think the truth that these great spiritual giants of our faith knew and understood about this idea of of being able to forgive ourselves, of letting ourselves out of the cage, what they understood is that failure is never final. It may change the course of our life. Yes, it may redirect us. It may, we may have consequences that are lasting. Absolutely, and I'm not minimizing any of that. But what we have to understand is that our failure is never final. But when we, when we decide not to come out of the cage, we make it final. And I believe that is exactly what Satan wants. I think that one of the greatest tricks of the enemy of our souls is to get us to a place where we won't forgive ourselves and we can't get past our failures and consequently we stop taking risk. Because watch this. All forward motion in our lives requires risk. So for us to become all that God wants us to become requires risk. For us to move forward in our relationship with God, in our relationship with other people, requires that we risk, that we put ourselves out there. But if we're so afraid of failing that we no longer take risk, what happens? We are rendered paralyzed and thus ineffective for the things of God in our life. That's why this forgiveness issue, and particularly forgiveness of ourselves, is so important. Because if the enemy of our souls, Satan, can get us trapped inside of this cage of unforgiveness, where we begin to fear failing in our life, we'll no longer take risk. And the minute we stop taking risk is the moment we stop moving forward in our life. And the moment we stop moving forward is the moment that we stop. And that's exactly what our enemy wants. That's why embracing a life of forgiving ourselves is so huge. What would have happened if Abraham hadn't forgiven himself? What would have happened if David hadn't forgiven himself? What would have happened if Jacob and Peter and Paul, a guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, 
What would have happened if he, these men, these spiritual giants, would have never forgiven themselves? They would have never been able to move forward. They would have never written this book. We would have never heard the message. See, embracing a life of forgiving ourselves is so huge. You know why? Because there's so much at stake in our lives. So what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we forgive ourselves? What does it mean? It means, number one, that we let ourselves off the hook. In other words, we no longer owe for what we did. We let ourselves off the hook, and I'm talking to some of us this morning who are dealing with some serious failures. Just as these guys in the Bible were dealing with these failures. Can we come to a place in our lives where we let ourselves off the hook, where we no longer owe for what we did? Secondly, it means that we pray blessing on ourselves. And that's a really, really big deal, isn't it? Because some of us, we've been living for years inside of our cage, unable to forgive ourselves, and instead of praying blessing on ourselves, we've been wishing harm on ourselves. Thinking that somehow we have to do this holy penance or this punishment. That there ought, to be, there ought to be this punishment for what I've done. After all that I've done, how could I ever... And, and, and being in a place of totally forgiving ourselves is moving from a place of, of wishing harm on ourselves or guilt or pain or punishment or anguish or shame or, or any of those things, embarrassment. It's moving from that place to a place where we say, I'm completely forgiven in Jesus. I completely forgive myself. I have done everything I possibly can to make it right by those that I've offended or harmed. And now I stand in a place where I'm able, through Jesus, to pray blessing on myself again. That's huge. That's huge. And number three, we develop the art of remembering to forget. What does it mean to totally forgive ourselves? It means that we develop the art of remembering to forget. Because, see, we're going to walk out of this place this morning. And tomorrow morning or tonight, the enemy of our soul is going to drop a little thought in our head of, that wasn't real. You're still a screw-up. You're still a failure. That didn't stick. And we're going to be tempted to run back into the cage. But walking and living a life that says, I am forgiven not only by Jesus and by others, but I forgive myself means that we are no longer bound up with condemnation. And some of us who are here today who have been carrying around a lot of stuff, living inside of the cage of unforgiveness, we're going to have to move in the direction of saying, I'm no longer condemned in this. I am forgiven. I have come and, and repented, which means to do a 180 before God. And, and I've, I've turned and I've, I've apologized and I've said I was sorry and I acknowledge how wrong it was. And I've went to others that I've harmed and I've asked their forgiveness however possible. Now it's time that I move from a place of condemnation and guilt and shame and pain to a place of blessing. And that requires us to develop the art of remembering to forget. That's how we do it. That's how we live a life of forgiving ourselves. This morning I want to draw our attention to one, one verse. 
that I think is so appropriate. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And Hebrews 11 is kind of considered a, a chapter of like the hall of faith. And in Hebrews 11, there's just this list that the writer of Hebrews just starts to roll off. Of all of these mighty men and women of God who were used amazingly for God. And you got smack dab in the middle of this list in Hebrews 11. And you can read it this afternoon when you get home. Are, are the guys we were talking about. Are, are Abraham, the, the guy that said his wife was his sister to a bunch of people. That guy. Was David a, a guy who committed adultery and then had the husband murdered to try and cover it up? Was, was a guy like Paul? Was, was a, a guy like Jacob who was a liar? Were, were all of these people that we would look on and go you were a failure and yet the writer of hebrews says i don't want to remember them because of their failures i choose to remember them because of their faith and if you're here this morning and you find yourself at a place where you are wrestling with this cage of forgiving yourself i want you to know that jesus would say to you i don't see you in your failures i see you in your faith Check out verses 33 and 34. This is just, this is amazing. Look at this. Here's, this is kind of the synopsis of the deal. By faith, these people, the liars, the murderers, the cheaters, the, the thieves, the, the, all of these people, overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They keep going. They, they quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. He's like, man, these guys, they were just, they were awesome. And then look at this statement he makes. Their weakness was turned to strength. History doesn't remember them for their failures. History doesn't remember them for their weaknesses. History remembers them for their faith. We serve a God who would look at our lives today and say, no matter how great your failures, no matter how great your mess-ups, ability to turn your weakness into strength. And I know that there are probably hundreds of us this morning listening who are dealing with failures. Right now in your mind's eye, you can see that moment in time where you failed. You can see that moment in time where you made the mistake, where you made the decision, and you've been living in this cage of regret. You've been living in this cage of failure, bound up, unable to forgive yourself. This morning, I want us to have a word of prayer as we close our time together. Because I know this. I know that it is not God's desire that we live inside of that cage, unable to move forward in our life. God wants us to receive his forgiveness and then translate that into forgiving ourselves. Can we bow our heads this morning? All across this room, I know that we've probably been wrestling with this whole deal. And maybe for some of us, the whole time I've been talking up here, you've just had knots in your stomach. Because you've been thinking about that failure where you lost the money, where you chose to buy the property and now it's in foreclosure. Where you chose to make decisions that have led to this addiction. You're the one who made the choice that took the company under. You're the one who decided to move the family and it cost you the marriage.
And I just want you to know this morning as we pray that the Spirit of God wants to come in and fill your heart today. He wants to come in and liberate us and set us free and let us out of this cage that we've been putting ourselves in. The words of Jesus are, I can turn your weakness, your failures into strength. And just as he did for these heroes of our faith in the Bible, he wants to do for us as well. So this morning as we pray, can I just encourage you come across that line in your heart to step out of the cage that you've been placing yourself in by not forgiving yourself and just know what it is to take the hand of Jesus leave the cage of unforgiveness behind and begin to live in freedom like never before let's pray together Heavenly Father, you see us seated right where we are, listening right where we are. And Jesus, we realize that we have been bound up by unforgiveness. Lord, not because you haven't forgiven us, but because we can't seem to find it in ourselves to forgive ourselves. And Lord, we certainly don't make small of, of the decisions that we've made in the past that have affected others. Lord, we know that's a truth of our failure. And God, seated right where we are, Lord, we just acknowledge that. We just, we own that. We own our failure. We own the effects that it's had on others. But Lord, today we choose to forgive. We do not want to continue any longer to reject the forgiveness of Jesus by not forgiving ourselves. So God, right now, maybe some of us for the first time in our entire lives, we choose, we make the deliberate choice to step out of the cage with your strength, with your power, not in our own righteousness, not in our own good works, but in you. And we choose today to live forgiving, to no longer owe the debt. We choose today to begin to pray blessing on our lives, blessing that comes from you. Again, not God because we deserve it, but because you want us to be blessed because we're forgiven by your blood. And Father, we refuse from this moment on to walk in condemnation. So Jesus, right now in this moment, we just declare we forgive ourselves. We are forgiven. We are forgiven by you. And Jesus, we choose today to forgive ourselves. And all across this room, everyone said,